0: One little act of kindness can go a long,
1: long way. Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features folks from all walks of life talking about childhood experiences that they've had. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences, some of them great, some of them not so great. But I'd like to think that whatever happened to me as a child has impacted who I am today and hopefully made me a better person. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classic One Little Act of Kindness, and I've Got Peace in My Fingers, both available now at any quality bookstore or even Amazon.com. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free, and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. So go to LaughSaber.com today and record your laughter. Today I have as my guest my cousin, Randy Riak He goes by the name of R-Dub. R-Dub. is the creator, producer, and host of the internationally syndicated radio show Sunday Night Slow Jams. Currently heard on over 200 stations in 14 countries, he started the show when he was just 16 years old. Our is also the self-appointed grand leader and sultan of the People's Republic of Slowjamistan, an 11-acre sovereign nation created for people who love slow jams. Welcome to the show, Randy.
2: Uh, it is so good to be here. So when you told me. What your podcast was about, I instantly got excited because there is absolutely one story, one pinpointed, defining moment, one, that would change the entire course of my life instantly. I didn't know it at the time, but I soon realized it. So let's go back in time, and and really anyone who's listening, let's go back in time to when we were kids, when we were all kids, and like most children, I... Changed my mind every couple of weeks of what I wanted to be when I grew up, okay? So, you know, one day it was a fireman, and two weeks later, nope, I wanted to be an airplane pilot. I was sure of it. One day, don't ask me why, I wanted to be a chauffeur because I thought it would be cool to drive around one of those cool limousines. Uh, another day, I, th- I think maybe one of the one of the longest career decisions that I decided to be when I was a, a child was, I think for like a year, I said, nope, I'm going to be an attorney because I love to talk and I love to argue. but. Sometime in my life, around 13 years old, this was my final decision and I absolutely knew this was the dream job and that was to be a radio DJ. And I discovered this because, you know, 13, you're, you're, you're prepubescent, preteen years, I think one of the most impactful for anyone, but especially a young boy, you know, 12, 13 years old, that's when you, you know, you first fall in love and you first start taking an interest into girls and, you know, you 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 start becoming a man. And at about 13 years old, I had discovered that my two greatest loves in the world over over anything and everything my passion were these two things number 1 talking i love to talk and you know looking back i i was getting in trouble for talking since kindergarten, I was the kid, you know, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth grade, I was always in the corner or getting sent to the principal's office because I love to talk during class. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to say I, I love the attention. I love making people laugh. I love making the, the girls giggle. Uh, in the few times that I was uh, in a situation where I was about to get in a fight with a, with a bully or someone that was, uh, you know, about to kick my butt, I would tell some jokes and either make fun of this guy or or make him laugh and um and talk my way out of being pulverized and beat to a pulp. So number 1, I loved talking. The problem was it was it was getting me in trouble. It wasn't getting me anywhere. It was getting me sent to detention. It was getting getting me sent home with notes. It was my parents, you know, shrugging their shoulders saying, "Would you just shut up and let the teacher teach?" So that was getting me in trouble. My second love that I discovered at about 12 years old was music, and a specific genre of music that was uh, slow jams and R&B music, and for lack of a better term, black music. I loved urban music. This was a time where uh, radio stations and music genres honestly were pretty separated. Today, you have radio stations that... Play music for white, black, and brown people, and you can go to a hip hop concert or an R and B concert. You see people of all colors, but I, I like to, I like to think—at least if my my memory is correct—that back in the early '90s, in fact, I remember going to concerts. The very first uh, radio contest I won on WGCI was a concert to see the OJ's. My amazing mom took me to that concert, and we were the only white people there. And it was fine with me. Uh, to a point, I almost felt like I kind of owned that music, at least in in my my circle of friends, because my circle of friends were certainly not listening to urban music. They were listening to to Guns and Roses and and other music like that. And I was the weird kid who loved listening to the black radio station. and I kind of I, I felt a little ownership there. It, w- it was cool. So I'm kind of getting a little bit off track here. but my my lead into the story was, first of all, my two passions. My two passions were music, slow jams, r and b music, and and talking. And I loved the two. And up until this point, they weren't really getting me anywhere in life. As I mentioned, the uh, the talking, the big mouth that I had was getting me in trouble. It was getting me uh, bad marks on my report card and a bad reputation in school as the uh, the kid who talked too much. And as far as my love of music, well, I was certainly enjoying listening to music, but it was... Causing me to be broke. I would spend all of my allowance on going to the record store. I knew every release and I couldn't wait to, uh, when I was in Chicago, take the train downtown to go to the record store to spend all my money. So here it is, these two loves that weren't really getting me anywhere. And then one day a light bulb popped on and I was listening to the radio. And at this point, I was a student of radio. I loved listening to the radio. And one day I realized, wait a minute, these DJs on the radio that I absolutely love adore and admire. I mean, the, this collection of, you know, five to 10 different air personalities that I listen to every day. They were my heroes. And I one day realized, wait a minute, they're getting paid for this. This is their job. And I remember thinking, oh my God, throw everything out that I've ever wanted to do. Lawyer, chef, uh, uh, attorney, chauffeur, judge, pilot. No, 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 no. I'm, I am I want to be a radio DJ. And at that moment, it was absolutely crystal clear. And I remember running to the library and all of a sudden realizing well, there's a there's five or 10 books at my local library of how to get into broadcasting. And so I'd be the guy reading those books and look, every everything everything changed. And the lead into my stories is my my mother. Uh, my mom was absolutely very supportive of this decision. I heard different comments from from other family members that that weren't very supportive. You know, of comments like, "Oh, they don't make a lot of money," or "It's a really tough field," or you know, "Good luck." It, you know, nothing nothing truly encouraging. They, you know, obviously they thought it was a pipe dream, like some kid who wants to make it in Hollywood. And I understand that. I think most parents want their kids to go to school and you know, have a respectable job, you know, for an accounting firm or a law firm or whatever. And here, here I was, I want to play records on the radio. But my mom always seemed to support that in my very early days. I moved to Tucson, Arizona to live with my mom after living with my my dad for a few years, moved to Tucson to to try Arizona out. And I remember that, you know, that first summer, my mom finding a class, I think the class was entitled How to Break into Radio. And she signed me up for that, you know, that seminar. And so my mom had had always encouraged me. And I thought that was great. So here I am at 15 years old, not old enough to drive, not old enough to really work, but I had a work ethic since I was really young. In fact, one of my first part-time jobs was 12 or 13 years old after school. I'd go to an insurance agency and literally sit in the back and shred, manually shred papers for them for hours every day. But it was money. It was good money. And I realized if if I work, I'll, I'll, I'll make money. So I was never afraid of working. So at 15 years old, I'm in a brand new city. Now, I'm, I'm I'm fifteen year old, absolutely loving radio uh, and love still loving to talk. and I'm in a brand new city, and I pick up the only job that I thought I could get, and that was a landscaper. Uh, this is Tucson, Arizona, and I'm fifteen years old, and I'm literally breaking my back in the one hundred and fifteen degree heat of Tucson, digging up cactuses, getting bit by spiders, dodging snakes, coming home dirty, but I you know I wanted to make that extra money. So I come home one afternoon after, a grueling day of work, landscaping, which again, I hated, but it was good money. And my mom was really excited. Mom says, sit down. I want to share something with you. I says, okay. And I sit down and this was the days of newspaper. This was 1992. And my mom pulled out the classifieds, the want ads. And she was really excited to show me that there was a listing from a mobile DJ company looking for a new DJ. Now this wasn't a radio DJ. This would be a DJ that would uh, come out with a uh, with equipment and play music for weddings and quinceañeras and and corporate parties. I remember I still have the article saved, the uh, the one ad saved. You know the little you know two by two uh, piece of print, and it basically said, yes, uh, mobile DJ wanted, experience preferred, uh, but it's not necessary. And so my mom says, yo, you got know, to you got to call this guy and, and interview for this. You'd be great for this. And I looked at it and I scoffed at it and I said, mom, thanks so much, but. Yeah, I'm 15. I have zero experience. They must have people with big resumes and you know professionals, you know, coming in this to this interview. I don't I don't want to be embarrassed. So thank you, but no, thank you. No can do, but I appreciate it. She said, no, you should you should really call. You should really call this company and and just raise your hand and you know see if they'll give you an interview. And it was a closed case for me. I said, no, mom, I'm I'm just I I it's embarrassing. No, I'm there's just, there's no way. It's just not possible. So thank you. Forget about it. Went on without my day, uh, about my day. So what happens the next day? I wake up and I do my landscaping thing again. You know, I, I earn my my $20 or $30. And uh, this time I come home and my mom says, sit down. I've got something to tell you. I said, sure, what's that? She says, well, I want you to know I called the uh, company that was looking for a mobile DJ. And I talked to the owner and we had, an, we had a half hour conversation all about you. And I told him all about you. And he can't wait to talk to you. I shuddered in extreme embarrassment and disbelief and honestly was i I think at the time pretty furious at my mom i just remember thinking oh my god my mom called my potential employer this is the worst thing ever now at 45 years old i'd probably let my mom do that today because i think it's a funny shtick but at the time at being 15 years old and i can't speak for everybody but but i know most people during that age think that their parents are the most uncool people ever. And, you know, I remember this was the time where I didn't even want my mom to make a complete stop to drop me off at school. I remember just jumping out, kind of a rolling stop, you know, not wanting anyone to see my parents drop me off. Of course, today I'm extremely proud of my parents and I show them off. But as a 15-year-old, I don't want anything to have to do with my parents. So here I am in just in sheer disbelief and and really kind of angry at my mom for making this call. And my mom says, well, you, you have an interview tomorrow at 4pm. At Ron Koss from DJ Dynamics, who's the owner, he's expecting to hear from you. I've set it up for you. And he can't wait to talk to you. And I was just like, gee, thanks, mom. And I'm like, now great. Now I have to call this guy and uh, apologize and, and you know get through this interview. So mad at my mom, wouldn't speak to her. But the next day, I, you know, look, I have to call this guy. So I called him up very nervously. And the first thing I do is apologize. You know, Hi, Mr. Koss, I am so very sorry that uh, that my mom called you. Gee, this is really embarrassing. And, and uh, I remember Ron telling me, no, he he said, Randy, your your mom is a great person. What a sweet lady she is. And let's do the interview. So we, we I, I get through the interview on the phone. He has me show up. I think that's that Saturday. He wants to meet with me in person. I said, okay. So how do I get there? My mom... Drops me off a block away. I said, Mom, drop me off a block away. I don't want to. I don't want anyone to see you. And I, I walked up to this gentleman's house. He ran his business out of his house. And I specifically remember, you know, a lady that I don't know was ten years older than me in her twenties. I remember watching her leave in a. She was an an applicant. She was an interviewee before me. And I remember her leaving in her business suit and her attache. And I'm just shaking my head like, dude, what am I doing here? And I met with Ron and 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 we had a great interview. And I, I saw his equipment and I talked on the mic and. Whatever I did, I'm sure it was absolutely horrible. But I, I was mesmerized at all this equipment he had. I remembered, you know, over the past year, I was, you know, writing in my notebook how much it would cost to buy a mixer and a cassette deck and a CD player and a speaker. And I'm like, wow, this was my my dream to be able to use this equipment. And he had it all. And it was mine and my fingertips to, to play with. And I don't remember what we did, but I remember talking on the mic and starting a record and he taught me the light show and and that was pretty much it. And then I, I drove home and I pretty much chalked it up as well. That was a cool experience, but uh, maybe, maybe one day I'll be able to have a job like that. And about three days later, the phone rang and it was Ron Koss from DJ dynamics. And he told me that uh, he, he thanked me for my time and he told me that they were you know definitely more, more qualified people that, uh, that had signed up for the job, but that he really liked me. He he loved my mom, and he said the uh, the aspect of of being able to to train someone his way, you know, from ground zero to basically take me as and be, I guess I would be his protege or vice versa. I forget how the term goes, uh, but he said he liked that, and he basically offered me the job and said, if you would accept it, here's how much it pays, and I would love for you to be m- my one and only uh, DJ besides myself for. DJ Dynamics and of resounding I said absolutely yes I didn't even know how I would get to these gigs because I, I was 15 and he thought I was 16 but I said absolutely yes I'm I'd be proud to do it thank you so much for the opportunity and he said we'll be in touch and I'll tell you about your your first gig that you're gonna do and I hung up with the phone and I remember absolutely screaming running through the house and jumping right into the pool with all of my clothes because I don't know, for some reason, this was a very ceremonious occasion, and of course, my mom was very happy for me. So at fifteen years old, I could actually go to school and tell my friends that I was a DJ. Still, when I look at it, look look back on it, I was just in sheer uh, disbelief. The job was amazing. I was a ho- I was a horrible mobile DJ. I'll be honest with you i was I was not good at it at all, but that was the the exact moment. The uh, the catalyst, if you will, that started a career that has so far lasted. Let me do the math. So far lasted, so far lasted thirty years. I've since uh, been a, a radio personality in a, a few awesome cities. Elevated to program director. Been on TV, hosted award shows, been nominated for awards, received awards. You know, been as far as as far as market size. Worked in Los Angeles as a program director. Today, I manage two radio stations in San Diego, California. I'm on the air in the afternoon, and as my good cousin Jay told you, uh, I'm on the air on over 200 radio stations uh, with my very own syndicated show that I own, playing the music that I love, slow jams and dedications. I could not have written. A better story. If you would have told me at 15, here's a pad and paper, write down what you want to do. I, I couldn't have made this up. The radio industry now is tougher than ever. It's a tough time for radio. Um, but I have one of the best radio jobs locally. And then the 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 second job, the fact that I own my own show, which is an empire of its own and a company of its own, I am absolutely doubly lucky. Here's how that one moment impacted me. And It's very clear and concise, and it's a story and a lesson that I tell kids when I go to schools and and speak to kids. Going back in time, if I had the choice to call Ron Koss at EJ Dynamics and ask for this job and raise my hand and say, hey, I'd like to do this, given the choice, I would have absolutely said, no way. In fact, I did, but I didn't have a choice. My mom made the appointment and forced me into it. And I thank God and I thank my mom every day that she did that. In fact, I, sh- I shudder to think what would happen if she didn't. What if she left it up to me? What if she said, well, it's your choice, call him or not, it's up to you. I could tell you, I would not have called him. What stopped me was fear. What stopped me was fear of, of getting a no. What stopped me was what if that person on the phone laughs and says, 15? 15 years old? Are you are you serious? I remember it and and not to get too off track here, but I remember at five or six years old, this, this scarred me. I remember being at the grocery store with my mom and I remember walking up by myself to the free sample table and the lady was giving little samples of 7up and I remember asking for one and I remember her just berating me saying, you are too young, you know, no way, get out of here. And I remember that kind of shook me. That was rejection. And I didn't forget about that. So I think think part of that stayed with me as a 15-year-old. So look, I was forced into calling this guy. And that moment changed my life. So here's the lesson. The lesson is ask for it. Ask for it even if you don't think you're qualified. Ask for anything and everything that you want to do, no matter how crazy and how big this sounds. Ask for that. Now, some people learn that lesson when they're an adult, when they're a young adult, when they're 50 years old, I was so darn fortunate to learn that, that one lesson when I was 15 to ask for it. And all I had to do was learn that lesson once at 15 years old and luckily it clicked and I clung to that lesson. I'm not even sure I realized it was a lesson at the time, but Jay, I started asking for things from that moment on. I started asking for things and I don't know how many things or jobs or positions or opportunities that I've asked for in the 30 years since, but I've probably received 95% no's, but 5% yeses. and I've asked for some ridiculous things and received yeses. I asked to be on the TV show Shark Tank on ABC. And I received a yes. And here I am in front, in front of, th- by the way, I told my mom I applied. She didn't even get it. She didn't even understand. She's like, well, I don't really know what your product is, which is ironic because she was the one pushing me in the first place. But here I am walking down the hallway to present slow jams to these multi-millionaire billionaire sharks. And I'm on TV in front of, 12 million people. Uh, another ask, I asked to be the program director of a radio station in Los Angeles while working in Tucson. I had zero major market experience, but because of that lesson I learned, I said, ah, what's going to hurt asking? So let me ask. And I ended up getting a job moving from Tucson to Los Angeles, which in the entertainment industry is just unheard of. And there, there are many more, some larger, some some smaller, but I have used that mantra my entire life is just to ask for it, and hey, it may happen. And so that's what I tell kids when I when I speak to kids. I say, "Don't be afraid. Ask for it." And uh, it was that one specific moment at 15 years old, calling up Ron Koss and asking for something that I was absolutely unqualified for. And for some reason, this man believed in me, and and others have as as well down the road. And it's uh, uh, that that one lesson has, I think, afforded me one of the most amazing and blessed careers and and really lives that i could ever imagine so i'm very thankful for my mom and i'm really grateful to be on this podcast jay that's my story i loved
0: it i loved
1: it you know i'm telling you i was exactly like you at 15 and in the sense that i would have killed my mother if she just said something you know to uh, anybody about you know giving me a job or whatever but i think your mother she knew you had the talent and she believed in you. And I, I also tip my hat to Ron Cause uh, the man that hired you because he was smart enough to see that your enthusiasm and everything like that. And I I love the story because I'm a school I'm a former school teacher, but I taught for 36 years. And I used to tell kids all the time the same thing you're saying, which is, you know, ask for it, deserve it when you you know when you get it, work hard for it. You obviously have. I love the fact that you know you've lived the dream. And, and by the way, my audience is does skew very young. So my students will appreciate hearing this story, and I do hope that it resonates with them. You ask for the moon, and, you know, you don't always get it. 95% rejection, but if you can handle rejection, you can you can really have a pretty good life.
2: You can get to that other 5%, and you can go to the moon. I uh, I love and respect everything you do, Cousin Jay. So uh, much love to you and all of your listeners. And, uh, yeah, you can find me online at slowjams.com.
1: Well, that's our show. I'd like to thank my cousin, R-Dub, for that great story. Inspirational, actually. i also like to thank my sponsors, Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's One Little Act of Kindness. I'd also like to thank our other sponsor, LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free, and your children your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. That's LaughSaver.com. All right, I'm going to end this show as I almost always do with Susan Salador's classic One Little Act of Kindness. Until next time, stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody.
0: One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. Two little acts of kindness. Many acts of kindness help the world go round One little loving word can go a long, long way Two little loving words can brighten anyone's day Three little loving words can make a beautiful. Little sea its own Can go a long, long way